my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Hello and welcome to the Digital Nomad Experts podcast by Beach Commute. You've got me and Diego today. I'm coming to you from Bali, Indonesia, one of my all-time favorite places, and Diego is in Istanbul. How are you doing today, Diego? All good, all good. Thank you. Yeah, I've been here for about three weeks now, and so I'm going to be staying another, I think, about five weeks, a good two months in, in Istanbul. Amazing. Yeah, I can't wait to hear more. We're in like very opposite types of places right now, but that's the mm. fun of nomad life. You get to experience it all. So today is a super fun topic. Diego and I are going to run through a list of 17 jobs that you'd probably never expect to be done remotely. These are real people. So I'm just going to kind of power interview Diego today. As you guys may know, Diego is also the co-founder of Wi-Fi Tribe. So he travels remotely with groups of people like this is chapter number 50, I think, for you of a month of living with people. Which is insane. So for those of you listening, think about for 50, like five, zero months or four to six weeks at a time, living with 10 to 20 plus digital nomads doing all different careers. So Diego has literally lived with, like lived with, we're talking in the same kind of like home or community as hundreds of different nomads doing all types of jobs. I've done a bunch of chapters with Diego. I've lived among a bunch of them as well. But I'm just going to interview Diego because he's got some fun ones from recently. So as we go through this, uh, the reason we're sharing this with you today, aside from just fun entertainment of some fun, crazy, wild jobs that people are doing while they travel the world, is also for you to start thinking out of the box of what you could potentially do remotely too. And when we say this, there's the, you know, we've, um, If you go back, we've done like the seven most common remote careers. So those are the marketers, the writers, the programmers, you know, those types of jobs that you might more typically think of for digital nomads. But there's so, so, so like the thousands of people, Diego and I have met who are just doing all sorts of wild and crazy things. It's so fun. So as you think about that, or, you know, as you hear these, think about how this could apply to you of your passion and your dream and you're a fun, amazing, quirky life. So, Diego, are you ready? Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Number one. So we're going through 17. We've got a list of 17 here for you today. So, Diego, who who, and what is number one on the unexpected job list? Yeah. So in no particular order, but we, I've been kind of going <laughs> back through some of the chapters that I've been on uh, lately. So most of the ones that I'll be telling you about today are are people that we've met quite recently. Some of them are actually people that Marissa's also met on on a, a chapter that we were together on in, in Mauritius. So it'll be interesting to just bring some of those examples up as well. And then I've got a few from from sort of way from the er- earlier days of when we when we set this all up. But yeah, let's let's hop in. So first of all, I just wanted to give I guess our, our first mention to a notaire, which is a French type of lawyer, according to someone on one of our recent chapters. I was with with her in Florence. That's where I met her for the first time, and she's a, she's a wonderful wonderful person. Since then, she's been traveling a, um, around a lot. I think that was one of her first sort of trips abroad. 
And so it was really cool to see her kind of just getting into, into the swing of things and into the community. And fun fact, her favorite place on earth is actually in the States. So she, yeah, she wants to, for some reason, she's, she's got this idea that she wants to stay in Florida. (laughs) Yeah, no, but she's, I don't know when, but she stayed in Florida at some point and just really, really loved it there. So she wants to go back at some point in her life, but for now she's on a travel spree and she's going all around the world. Amazing. And what does, I've never heard of a notaire, (laughs) but like, what does that entail? What is she, what was she doing day to day as you were working alongside of her? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So um, obviously we, do, we don't have the chance to sort of see too much into the details of, of what everyone is doing, but you know, everything that she, she was working on was on her laptop every now and then she would take, take a few calls, but the, yeah, the only way that she, I guess, described it was a type of French lawyer, which to me is funny because, you know, at the end of the day, we've, we've all <laughs> got lawyers in our countries, but yeah. <laughs> um, it was, like a it type was really of cool. French lawyer. I'm about yeah. to go Google this. So that's fun. <laughs> All right. I love it. So yeah, we've had beyond that. We've had a bunch of, you know, lawyers, is such a typical job that people really think you must be in your home state or country. And I know even in the U.S., a lot of people have, you know, are supposed to practice only in the state in which they, you know, live or pass the bar. But we had another uh, lawyer with us in Mauritius as well. We've had several different kinds traveling with us. So yeah, lawyers out there. It's possible for you too, and even specific French lawyers. All right, what's number two on the list? Awesome, yeah. So the next one on the list is a forensic analyst. And this was actually a person that I met on that same chapter as well. And yeah, it's just uh, just an interesting thing that I've never really come across in, in all of the years that we've done this, where somebody was doing that kind of work remotely. So yeah, it was it was very interesting to see this person on the, on the chapter as well, on the trip <laughs> with us, basically. That's so fun. Do you know, I asked you, so it's so funny. So as we think about all the people who we meet, and even sometimes you can be sitting next to this person every single day and have no idea what they're really doing. They might tell you what it is, but you know, we're all kind of in our own worlds on our computers or on our calls or whatever it is that we're doing. So you can kind of know, but I'm just curious, like, obviously when I think of a, you know, forensic sort of person, I think about someone on the ground, like at a crime scene or like dealing with I don't know, specific things like material objects. So you may or may not know, do you have any idea specifically kind of what or how she does that remotely? Well, there's a, there's a component to, to, you know, what a forensic analyst does that is, that involves a lot of computing, right. And, and just using, using computers. So she must be more responsible for that kind of, for that part of it and probably is able to work with a team that if needed are, you know, delivering some of that, that information from on the ground labs to, to her. But yeah, basically a forensic, and for those of you who haven't really come across the role before, a forensic analyst is, a, is essentially a scientist who assists law enforcement agents in uncovering criminal acts, right? Oh, so cool. yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting um, job that this person has. I want to call her like a global spy or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've got that one too. We'll, we'll, come, oh, we'll come to that spoiler one. Spoiler alert, spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> I love these. These are so fun. So again, as you're thinking about these, just the message we want you to take away, like maybe you don't want to be a forensic analyst, or maybe you heard that and it sparks your wildest dreams of doing that. But the point is like, think of there's so many kind of traditional jobs that you think you have to be there in person, but there's specific subsets of it, or maybe a a part of the role that can be done remotely. So yeah, we're going to Get those creative wheels thinking. Okay, <laughs> what is next on the list, Diego? 
Awesome. So the next one actually is one uh, of a person that we met ages ago, actually in Bali as well. And this person came on the chapter, we asked them, so uh, yeah, well, you know, we were going around in a circle and asking, well, what is everybody doing? And this person was like, well, I'm an electronic musician and I do that remotely. What? Oh, that's interesting. So this person doesn't just, you know, travel the world and then go to, you know, play, play gigs in the, in the different places that they're at. They, this, this person actually had a, a DJ kind of setup with like these, you know, everything that you expect from like a DJ booth, but all in this small, compactable, you know, travelable size. And they, they just brought that out. They were sitting, I remember just across the pool from, <laughs> from the house in this, you know, this perfect lounge chair. It, it looked epic. And, and she had the, the deck of, you know, all that music making equipment just laid out in front of her. And, you know, and she was just, just making the, Amazing. you know, making the music. She was building this show that was at the time it was, is, as she told us about it, it was going to be this interactive, both DJ and just like visual experience um, that she was building up. So Absolutely fascinating. Probably one of the coolest, yeah, jobs that I've come across as we. I love that. Yeah, we've seen so so many friends just are interested in music, but as a nomad, it's hard to sort of bring your big instruments around. So I've seen all sorts of like tiny, tiny guitars or like foldable pianos and things. But I was curious. You kind of explained it how she was monetizing that. I was wondering if she was like selling beats that she was making, but it sounds like she was sort of doing the work to prepare for a bigger show that she would be selling? Is that exactly accurate? Yeah. Cool. In this case, in short, the way to think about it is, you know, a remote job isn't just, it doesn't have to be hundred percent remote, right? In, in many yeah. cases you might have like the, you know, the forensic scientist, you might have an element that is somewhere and you're going to have to do that locally. And then you have the chance to be remote for, you know, X number of months a year. And that's exactly what this person was able to do. She had her shows that she was working towards and then as she was doing that work, she realized, well, I don't need to be doing this from, from home. Like that's where literally where I'm sitting. Why don't I right. take this on the road with me and do it from somewhere else? And that, that was exactly right. it. Amazing. So, so fun. All right. So you electronic musicians or aspiring musicians, current musicians out there. This one, that one, that one was for you. What is possible? All right, Diego, that was number three, I believe. What's number four on the list? Perfect. Number four is actually one that we alluded to earlier. And <laughs> of course, I can't give you too many details on this one because it is in fact a, a cyber threat intelligent individual. So I think you do. I think you do. But we might have to keep identities, uh, identities <laughs> a little secret. bit more secret on Tell this us, one. We'll have to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this, no, this person is, is absolutely um, fascinating. I've now had the chance yeah. to to travel with this person several several times over the last um, over the last years, that's been it's been really really interesting. And obviously, every time that uh, this person tells us a little bit, as much as they're allowed to about <laughs> about their job, my imagination goes wild, and I uh, and I think about all of the you know all of the very very important missions that this person might be on. Um, yeah. yeah. And can you explain? Maybe you can, maybe you can't, because we only know so much. But for someone who's never heard of a cyber threat intelligence officer, is that the word, person, what kind of like, as best we can, high level, like what sort of work does this entail? Yeah. And, 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 and I can obviously talk about it a little bit because you can also go online and, and find out sort of yeah. what, it, what it is. And so it's, it's openly out there. But in, in short, it's somebody who tries to understand what's happening yeah, in the in the online world, in terms of you know more more on a governmental basis, in terms yeah. of threats that might be um, coming into the country, so a lot of it is about the threat of you know of, of hacking of 
cyber cyber intelligence threats in that sense. So yeah, it's it's a really really interesting field and becoming more and more relevant now. You know, with the whole um, situation that's been happening now with the war in Ukraine, it's an example of how even warfare has has shifted. So it's an interesting yeah. space. Amazing, yeah, so fun. So for all of you out there who are into anything cyber, anything security, into like government threats, national matters. Uh, some of this stuff can be done remotely as well. So again, get those get those wheels thinking. What are you interested in? What do you love? It's just like my coach wheel spinning. Okay, next is number five on the list. Who do we have? What are they? This person, she's somebody who I traveled with in Dahab in Egypt recently. It was at the start of the year. And she is a digital wine sales and marketing yeah professional so she actually started her career in the restaurant industry in the you know in the high-end um, michelin type restaurant industry she was working there mostly as a manager so very much on the ground nothing to do with with computers and then at some point she just said you know i'm done with this this is so this is so <laughs> much stress and I'm, I'm missing this other component of my life and she just completely switched over to yeah to something to something quite different and is now able to do that remotely. But she's also the one who, you know, on any one of our trips will always know obviously so much about, about wines and about the, yeah, just she's, she's definitely one of the foodies on the, on the trips. It's so fun. It's actually one of my favorite parts that I never expected about just traveling and traveling with all these types of people is if you think about your normal world, you really are, I don't know, just surrounded by the people who work in your company or in your circle of like normal people who you would normally interact with from day to day. When you're on the road, you get to be with people who are experts in wine or experts in food or security or, you know, what music, whatever it might be. And you get exposed to so many cool things that you never thought possible. And I'd also like to call out, I actually love this Diego. You can hear the call to prayer in the background there. Is that what was, there was some in the yeah, yeah, there, yeah. It's literally just closing the window because it's getting loud. <laughs> I love it. It's actually one of my favorite parts about being in the Middle East. It's always, it's such a, yeah, just such a reminder that I'm like, I am in a different culture. So if you've yeah. been to the Middle East or, or any countries that have called a prayer, maybe you haven't, if you heard it kind of sounded like a, someone on the speakerphone in the background there, but over loudspeakers, like everywhere in the city or in these countries, five times a day, you'll hear a call to prayer where people stop and, and pray. And it's just so neat to live in those cultures. So just a reminder that we really are in, in these foreign places. Diego is in Turkey. Yeah. It. And on that note, I have to say Istanbul is, is one of the most, yeah, just one of the most interesting cities that I've been to. It's, it's, it's a mega city. It's massive, but yeah. wherever you look, you will see these, you know, just these towering mosques and it is, it really is so magical. I, I, at one point I was sitting there going, you know, is, do, do locals just look at them and go, yeah, it's like, like we maybe look at, you know, in our own countries, we'll look at, oh, it's a church. So what, right? Yeah. Do locals just look at them and, and not even really recognize them for what they are. But as somebody who who hasn't lived in that culture that much, seeing it, it, it just feels so magical every time, right? So yeah, yeah. just a little reminder. I would agree. It probably does just become the norm. It was the same way. It was yeah. like slightly off topic, but we'll get back, I swear. I was in Iceland one time and I met these guys who were sitting next to me at a restaurant from Norway, these old sort of like fishermen guys. And I was like, oh, I wish I could see the Northern Lights here. I had never seen them before at the time. And they were like, why? And I was like, they're so pretty. What do you mean? It's like on everyone's bucket list to see those beautiful green lights. And they were like, when we see them, we just shut the window. Like, it's bright. They're annoying. Because it was just part of their oh, everyday wow. life there. So I would yeah. have to imagine that's how, you know, if you grow up with mosques everywhere, it's the same way most of us see churches everywhere. But they are 
I feel like every time I'm in the Middle East, I just see those those mosque buildings and they're so beautiful. So I'm with you at the very least. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Number six, Diego, who's next? Well, next up, actually, Marissa, this is somebody that you know as well. So he's a civil engineer and he was on our Mauritius chapter yes. and he's basically ended up building a business out of it and was now, yeah, long, long-time business owner uh, of a civil engineering company. And, and to, me, to me, that's actually really interesting because it, it just goes to show that there is an online component to absolutely any business, right? There's something yeah. that you are doing online. When you're a really small business, you know, you're a hairdresser, for example. Sure, you're, you know, you're a one-man show. You're doing the work there, but still you're going to, at some point of the day, you're going to spend a few hours doing something online for marketing, for setting, whatever it is, right? There's a component that's yeah. online. And as the business gets bigger, any any type of business, the hours in each of the areas of the business are going to get longer as well. And you're going to have to put more time into that. Those areas that you were able to do from your computer that you had to do online then become areas within any company that can be taken remote, right? And that's exactly what I had to think about when I was thinking about, you know, this person who's a civil um, engineer by trade, but obviously so much of what this person does can be done remotely, right? And that's that's such an interesting thing. Yeah, it is interesting. And I've traveled a bunch with him to some other countries as well in Africa. So he does a lot with like water plants and things like that. So as a civil engineer, you really do think about like being on the ground, like for him specifically in the in, in the water sort of field, like you have to go to plants, like look at plans, be there to see things. So yeah, it is fascinating that if if you want to travel, like if that is your goal, how do you then remove yourself from some of those parts, whether it's hiring, you know, if you're the business owner, hiring to other people to do those in-person parts or just to start to think creatively of maybe you want to be hired to do some of the remote parts that don't have to be in person. So with anything, yeah, again, main message here, we're just going to beat this one over and over again for you is even the very typically in-person sort of careers, there are ways that you can do bits or pieces or some or all of it remotely too. So yeah, all the engineers out there uh, start to think creatively and yeah, reach out if you, if you need help thinking creatively. Okay. Next on the list, who do we have for number seven? Yeah. I'd, I'd love to make a, a quick mention here of somebody who was on our Mauritius uh, trip as well together. And, and she is an economist. So, you know, economists, you might say, well, that, you know, that's a relatively standard job. Many of us have, have heard about it before. But I'll tell you, I haven't met many economists who <laughs> have been traveling remotely. It's just not so much a thing that you that you see so often. And I wonder whether some of these industries are just industries that are the more traditional they are, the longer it's taking these industries to shift mm. into being remote, right? So lawyers is another one of those where you're, you're right. thinking these people are spending most of their day answering emails and and drafting contracts and potentially on calls here or there, right? Yeah. Uh, lawyers don't spend, you know, 100% of their time in, in court. court. <laughs> like, that's actually very rare. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. That's a smaller component of it. So so these are real, and, and same with an economist. Um, these are all roles that could very well be done remotely, but it's interesting to us to see that it is a slower transition that's happening. So if you're in this area, my, my advice to you would be, you know, start to, start to, to push in that direction, start to ask what is possible, start to have those conversations uh, with yeah. management and maybe, you know, coming at it f- with, with empathy from that perspective of, I understand that this, tra- this is traditionally not the kind of role that has been, that has been sort of, you know, as in- innovative or, 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 you know, changing as quickly with, with work trends changing. Um, yeah. yeah. Any, any That's thoughts such on that? A good, yeah. I hadn't really 
thought about that in the way that you put that of some of those just more like the more antiquated might be the wrong word, but those more traditional, traditional, I can't say that word today, more traditional jobs really do seem to take longer for people to, to push the envelope and go remote. Whereas if you think about like so many digital marketers, right, because digital marketing didn't even exist, you know, I don't know, in the last. I feel like it's pretty new in the last five to 10 years, and especially to the extent that it is today with social media and things like the landscapes that are changing so fast are more likely to also change and be more flexible to remote work. But that doesn't doesn't and shouldn't stop you from trying to have those conversations. I know inside of our government employment course, you, you teach Diego specifically of like the negotiation tactics of how to have those conversations. You don't mess it up the first time around. So if you are an economist working with a lot of traditional people who would never consider to let you go remote, how do you bring that up the first time? How do you test it out? How do you test the waters? So yeah, that's a great example. And I like your theory. I'm going to support you on on that one. I like it. Uh, okay. Who's, who and what is number eight on the list? Right. So here's another one that I hadn't ever really come across. This person was also on that, on that trip with us in Mauritius. She yeah, we had a lot a, of Mauritius. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it was a, it was an interesting mix of, of people with a lot of diverse sort of professions. So that was really, yeah. really interesting. Um, and then a million UX designers and graphic designers too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was definitely one where we had, we had a lot more graphic designers. Huh? So she's a, a speech language pathologist. Again, a mm-hmm. job I've never come across. So I'm probably going to struggle to even make sure that I explain it correctly. But basically, yeah, they, a, a speech language pathologist treats many types of communication and swallowing problems. So you can imagine that this is a person who's able to, yeah, just help people kind of overcome some of these these challenges and just improve the way that they're able to communicate. Interesting that this is something that can be done done remotely. This actually oof, this actually reminds me of maybe one of the most interesting examples that isn't even wasn't even initially on our list, so we might have to call it eighteen at this point. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, our, it's one of our very best. Yeah, it's she's one of our very best friends. Her name's Danielle, and she's been traveling with us for such a long time. And she in Gran Canaria two years ago, when right after the pandemic was was you know starting to allow us to travel again, we she was on that tra- chapter and she decided to become um, a hypnotherapist. And she did a course online to 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 become a hypnotherapist. She started to work with some people that were on that trip as well, and the question that every single person in the room was asking her was, how can you do this remotely? Like, you know, everyone's imagining somebody standing in front of you <laughs> swinging a little pendulum and, you know, and, right. and lulling you to to sleep. But, you know, she she said, no, most people are currently doing this remotely. It is a thing and it absolutely does work. And that was a fascinating realization. So reason that this came to mind is because it's similar in, in a sense that it's these things where you think the person has to be in front of you and it's very it's very intense. It's very, you know, teaching, coaching, somebody who's really, you know, helping you to to evolve in, in a sense and, and overcome some of these challenges. But it is absolutely something that you can do remotely, right? Yeah. And so many, I mean, the pandemic was a, a great example of so many things that we just never would have done remotely. I imagine there were so many people who, I don't know how long people, I'm sure people are doing speech pathology remotely as well. But I also imagine there's so many people who used to go in person to those offices and think that there was no other way. And then the pandemic happens and you still have to have these conversations and you start doing remotely. And it's like, ah, this actually can be done remotely. So that was a little bit of a silver lining, I think, in the pandemic was people just getting permission to try these things that might not have otherwise. So that's a great one. Yeah, she was also with us in Mauritius 
um, little island of all sorts of creative uh, careers, which is yeah. fun. This next one's fun. What's number nine on the list, Diego? Right. So here we've got a Bitcoin blogger. Um, we've traveled with this this guy for a while as well. And he's, <laughs> yeah, he was also now on the Namibia chapter. He is the guy that has single-handedly led to probably um, hundreds of thousands <laughs> of, yeah, just in, in terms of wealth gains when people invested into Bitcoin because he would do these skill shares where, where he would tell us about it. And he's, he's one of those hardcore believers. He'll tell you about the philosophy and the future of it and and why it's going to change literally everything. And so, you know, shortly after the the last one that he did, I also went in and I started to buy. Unfortunately, I didn't time the market right. So now I'm one of the ones that's actually down, down right at the moment. Thing, but <laughs> It'll come back. Just hold it. <laughs> I think that's, that's, the, that's the thing, right? That's what he's telling us as well. But yeah, no, he's a, he's a wonderful guy. He's, he's quite young as well. And he literally just, yeah, he's just got a passion for it, decided to, to blog about this. And, and I think the reason that this is really, really interesting is it's, it's not just any kind of writer. It's a writer who's kind of found their niche, right? Their absolute passion goes, this is what I want to um, write about. Yeah. And this is what, and, and really an educator, I would say. That's also part of how he, he describes himself and that he focuses on. But yeah. That's cool. Yeah, the Bitcoin blogger. There's so many different ways and people are just straight up investors. But yeah, if you have a passion for a specific topic, there's there's so many ways to monetize that through whether it's your own blog or getting hired for publications are always looking for content writers. Like that's so huge these days. Yeah. We have a friend who is also with us in Mauritius who writes for Forbes for a specific niche. And I know they were looking to hire like four or five more people. So yeah, if you have a, a passion and you like to write, definitely think about that one. And you also brought up something interesting, Diego, which is about age. I don't know if you meant to, but I just wanted to kind of put a little mention in there about age. So I know a lot of questions we get, people either think they're too young or too old, and there is never a right or a wrong time to become a nomad. We have, so one of these, the speech pathologists you were talking about, she was just newly out of, she just finished grad school for this particular topic. So she was in her early 20s, all the way, same chapter in Mauritius to our civil engineer in his late 40s. So again, people are in their 50s, their 60s, you know, you meet people, as, as young as straight out of high school to, you know, older and yeah, 40s, 50s, 60s. I haven't personally met any 70 year olds who are still working while traveling, but they're traveling. Maybe they're still working. But yeah, there's there's no age too old or too young is the point. Okay, so we've got our Bitcoin blogger. Who is number 10? I, I don't actually, I mean, this one, I don't know this person. I'm excited to hear. This is brilliant. Yeah, this is, so this one's actually on this chapter right now with us here in Istanbul. And he is, and he just did a Skillshare on this. He is a yacht designer, definitely the first yacht designer I've ever come across in my life. And we're not talking about like, you know, like the, the classic, you know, either monohull small yachts or the or the, the kind of like, you know, dual catamaran type yachts that we all love to occasionally rent out for a weekend. This guy designs yachts for, you know, just like billions. mega, mega yachts. Wow. Yeah. Like these are, you know, they're, they're hundred, hundred meter um, ships and they're just, it's the fanciest stuff that you've ever seen. So he'll design the, the, the full yacht on the outside, everything that it should look like all this stuff. He was telling us for an hour, we were just all sitting around and just fascinated, you know, jaws, <laughs> like fascinated about what this guy was talking about. I've never seen that many questions come up in one of these sessions because, you know, everyone's just super interested and he'll design the, the outside. Everything is totally custom done. There's, you have right. to imagine that this industry is so 
niche and so small and there's so few people working like he's a he's one of a you know a handful of people that are doing this job in the world right and um every boat is totally custom done right so the process of it is too and then he'll he'll design the outside he'll design the the inside of how everything looks you know he's like okay here's a he's literally making the joke that he's put this pool on this yacht um in which his houseboat so he's, he's he lives on a boat himself could fit in and float in with space to spare, right? Like oh that's gosh. that's the, the magnitude of this of this guy's work. And yeah, and no, does super he work for a company or he does this like freelance or you know, both in a sense. He used to work for a company and he's most more recently okay. um gone freelance, which okay. uh, ma- makes a lot of sense in this industry as well. But you can you can do both, right? So you could also cool. come into a bigger company and support them and and, and building that out. Yeah. That is a fun and unique one. And it gets my coaching mind spinning because so many times when I pe- when I try to help people identify which remote job or just job career in general is right, I feel like that hits, hits such a good example of really trying to separate one, what are you good at, which for him, it sounds like designing and kind of the sort of like architecture kind of sort of world of just basically taking, you know, blank space and bringing something to life is, is a skill set that people have, but then you could do that for anything. And so I always tell people, it sounds like you're telling me he lives on a boat. So I'm guessing he just really likes boats and things like that. So when you combine those two, you become, you know, you're, you're designing the thing that you just love in general, being on the water boats and things like that. So again, you can start to get creative with what are you good at? What's your skill set? What are you interested in? That's a sort of career, the company you should work for, or the the industry to work in. And then as you're hearing here, like you can get creative and how do you do that remotely? So that's a super fun one. I love that. And especially because I feel like you guys were just out on some boats and in, in, uh, in Turkey there from the Instagram stories I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, you know, he, he was pleased. He was, he was okay with the types of boats <laughs> that we got, but he, you know, he had higher expectations. <laughs> That is funny. It's so fun, again, just to travel with those people because they can point out things that you just would never see or think of yourself. All right. So that wraps up at 10, we'll call them unique, weird, random, fun, whatever you want to call these types of jobs, surprising jobs. There's so many good adjectives that we could use. I know we promised you 17 in this episode. We got a little ahead of ourselves because there's so much information for each of those. We're actually going to split this into two episodes. So that was the first 10. And then stay tuned for the next batch of the fun, surprising, weird, quirky, unsuspecting remote jobs that you can do while traveling the world. So we hope that these first 10 were an amazing inspiration, that you had some fun stories, that you're thinking creatively Please write in if you do something creative or if this gave you, I'd love to know if this gave you an idea for something that you could do creative. So write to us at hello at beachcommute.com. And if you want to see 91 jobs that people in our community of over 1,200 people are doing, check out beachcommute.com slash 91. So you get more than just 10 or 17 weird jobs. You can get 91, all sorts of different jobs that people are doing. Any last words for these, Diego? No, that's that's all good. Yeah, I, I wish we'd managed to to cover to cover more, but there really is some depth that we want to give for each of these as well yeah. to understand sort of what it is that people do, as well as yeah, how does that relate to maybe where your you know where your head's at, what you're thinking about, and 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 how this could potentially inspire you to go. 
oh, is there maybe an area in my life that I could be doing remotely that I hadn't really thought about yeah. before, something that I have a talent or something I've done in the past. So yeah, that's really the whole yeah. point of this. It's really to get you get you thinking, get you, get you inspired about some of these things. I love that. And it's so much of the coaching that I do when people come to me to say, you know, like, I want to travel. And also, by the way, I don't like what I'm doing anyway, help me. And so these are, you know, I go through a specific set of exercises with people to help you think creatively of like, what do you actually love and how can it be done remotely to get and get paid real salaries? Like some of these people are making great money too, right? It's not it's not like you have to give up everything and and be broke to go travel. You could do what you love, which is also really a takeaway that I want to share here as well. So thanks for listening to this episode. Stay tuned for part two. If you like this one, we're going to share some more fun, quirky, <laughs> surprising, unexpected roles. And we'll see you on that next episode soon. See you then. All right, that is a wrap on this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd love to travel the world while working remotely and making an income, check out beachcommute.com slash 91. It's a document where we share 91 actual job titles from real digital nomads in our community so you can get some inspiration and see what remote jobs might be out there for you as well. We can't wait for you to start traveling the world too, and we'll see you in our episode next week. Have a great day. Oh, 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 oh,